So I think it's a leadership first, have purpose and clear vision. Secondly, leave your ego behind um, because that's really, really important. And, you know, try to build a culture where you foster uh, openness and honesty with your teams uh, because that's what's really important. You, you want people to feel comfortable enough to come up and say, Georgie, you know what, that was rubbish. I didn't believe what you were saying and I didn't like it. And you don't take offense to it. And you sort of say, well, but why? And, and you start to delve deeper and deeper and deeper. And you know what, they might give you a different perspective that you never ever thought before. And I, and I think, so from a leadership point of view, um, there's a lot of benefit for the leaders to be able to morph also to change into something and to become more collective. And I suppose for me, it's being a servant. Mm. You know, leadership is you're a servant, you're a servant to others mm. and your job is to help others. Hello and welcome to the Mind to Lead podcast. I'm Georgie Hubbard and I am on a mission to help you live a level 10 life. If you want to live an extraordinary life, a life full of passion and energy, of joy and abundance, then this is the podcast that teaches you how to do just that. Through my conversations with some extraordinary leaders and my own life experiences, I come to you weekly with all of the teachings and steps you need to take your life to the next level. So if you are ready to develop the mindset it takes to lead, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mind to Lead. I believe we're on episode number 20 now, which is absolutely amazing. I'm absolutely loving these conversations with some incredible people and today I know won't disappoint because I am lucky enough to be sat with Warwick Kramer. Hello Warwick, great to be sat having you on the podcast. Hi, Georgie, and thank you very much for inviting me, and I'm really, really happy to be here, and no pressure also from your introduction <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, look, you you will be able to introduce yourself far better than I will. Um, I know a bit about you from our conversation when we were, um, met at Startup Grind, but for those that don't know who you are, could you just give the audience a bit of an overview into who is Warwick, what have you been up to, and what's, what's led you um, to this point in your life so far? Sure. No, thank you, Georgia. Well, so it's Warwick Kramer, and uh, I'm originally from Australia in Melbourne, and uh, I basically have been an entrepreneur pretty much my entire career. I started off uh, basically inventing a mobile payment solution, which is now used globally, uh, sold that company, and then I went on to do other businesses. And about oh, five years ago, five, six years ago, I decided to move into the corporate world. And one thing on my bucket list was that I'd never actually worked for anyone. So I didn't know what it was going to be like. <laughs> and uh, apart from, you know, when you sort of do the part-time jobs when you're at school or what have you. And uh, so professionally, I'd never worked for anyone. And, and I decided to take the, the, the massive leap of faith and, and uh, go into the corporate world and uh, went over to Luxembourg and worked for Vodafone. And I worked in Vodafone and where I went on to become one of the group CEO for, um, for all the innovation activity across the globe. Wow. And uh, very, very exciting and learned a lot. And, and now I've got a perspective on both sides of the fence from, um, you know, the startup uh, world and um, entrepreneurship right down to uh, from the corporate side as well. Mm. Amazing. So, 
So there you go. <laughs> well, what's really interesting about that, which I just want to sort of go into, is because a lot of people first go from working in corporate and then go and start their own businesses. So you did it the other way around, which is fascinating. So how did you go from working, you know, from yourself, having the freedom and all that good stuff that people crave when they're working for corporates to then stepping into a huge company, Vodafone? Um, how, how did you deal with that? What was the process like for you? Uh, well, I think to put it in some context, I'd actually uh, stopped working, so I was living in France at the time, mm-hmm. um, sort of like on a long-term vacation, if you like, for a better term, and we sort of, I got very bored, to be really honest with you, Georgie, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things, I've always been a great believer that I've always tried to stretch myself, mm-hmm. always tried to put myself into a position where I'm actually very uncomfortable, because for me personally, whenever I'm uncomfortable is when I actually grow the most. And I love that personal challenge. Um, that's what sort of drives me. And, you know, this opportunity came knocking on my door. Vodafone had sort of contacted me. And, and the, we sort of went backwards and forwards this conversation. And, and to be really transparent, I was a little bit nervous taking on the job uh, because I've never, ever done it. And I didn't want to fail, um, you know, go in there and, you know, knowing that I don't have the control or the mechanisms to to influence a change or make rapid changes as you do when you're running your own business. Mm. And uh, so I took on the challenge and I thought, it's one of those things I've never done in my life and and I think I need to grow from this experience irrespective of what the outcome would be. Um, And that was one of my key drivers, really. To be honest, I thought I'd only last 12 months. (laughs) 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 That was my goal. So, and then, and there was it. How long did you work at Vodafone for? Was it nearly five years? Five years. Five years wow. Yeah. Look, you you also just touched on something really interesting as well because a lot of people, you know, I I, I believe that we have two choices it's freedom or fear and fear is what holds so many people back so how did you overcome that you know that limiting belief that self-doubt that we all have when we start our own businesses where we take a promotion that that inner voice that goes we're not ready for this yet you know or you're not you're not going to be good at this how did you overcome that and still step forward and go for go for the opportunity I think you always have to put things in perspective in life and, mm-hmm. and I always really think about, well, what's the worst that's going to really happen here? Mm-hmm. The worst that's going to happen is that they're going to fire me, get rid of me. And that's mm-hmm. really about the worst mm-hmm. that can happen here, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I also look at stuff around uh, learning because for me, I love to learn things. And so I thought irrespective of what would happen and what the outcome would be, I'm going to learn something out of it, whether mm-hmm. whatever whatever it would be, um, it will, I'll still walk away with something. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, with fear, yeah, it's it's natural to be scared. It's natural to have fear. I think we all do. But I think you also have to take that step backwards and have a look and say, well, you know, is it my, you know, is it life-threatening? No. Um, it's just a job. So who cares? Uh, so what's the worst that could happen? Mm. And uh, and so that's why I always try to put things in perspective. Mm. I love that because I think what people have a tendency to do, and I've done this myself in my life, is jump to the worst case scenario all the time. And often we create stories in our mind that is so bad that the likelihood of that happening is so small. But we like it's crazy where our mind goes if we let it. So I think putting things in, into perspective is key. So you, you were with Vodafone for 
almost five years. What what sort of made you then decide to to leave that and you came then back to, to Melbourne, is that correct, after being there for five years? Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. I came back for my family, really, um, mm-hmm. because we were in Luxembourg and we literally had no one there. And to be really honest, I loved, loved working and living in Europe. I, I really, really enjoyed my time there. But, um, you know, when you sort of, I've got a, a teenage daughter, so anyone out there listening, um, <laughs> don't need to say anything more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we were just at a point in our life and uh, and we had to make that call. So, uh, and, uh, you know, you always put your family first. And so mm-hmm. that's what we did. Yeah, amazing. So how have you sort of found going back from your know, Europe lifestyle to Australia is a little bit, you know, different. I mean, I, I'm from the UK and, uh, you know, I can certainly sort of say I prefer the lifestyle in Australia, hence why I've been here for 10 years now. But like, how was it? Was it like making that transition? Did it, you know, did you give yourself some grace period? Did you jump straight back into work? How sort of have you found the process from sort of moving from Europe back to Australia? It's been an interesting one. Um, you know, I've been fortunate that I've, you know, been doing bits and pieces and I've got the choice to be able to do what I like. So I've, I've sort of been very fortunate on that front. But I think, um, you know, being Australian and sort of having grown up here and then lived overseas, worked overseas and spent a lot of time over there and, and sort of in a global role, coming back to Australia, um, there's a lot of opportunities here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's why turned it was it's a great place for families um and for kids uh education wise etc but from a corp from a business perspective there are so also a lot of shortcomings as, as a country and as a nation that um you know we have in australia and and some of it is very cultural i found um you have two sort of sides of the fence here you've got organizations that are very naturalistic so we'll only look at australian experience Australian company, um, we don't need to work outside, but only in Australia. And then you've got other organizations that really welcome the global experience, want to really take their businesses to the next level and take it outside of Australia. So that's really been, and that's been my personal experience since coming back. I've also found, I spend a lot of time, as you know, Georgie, with a lot of startups and I do a lot of um, mentoring work. I currently sit on a board uh, in Silicon Valley with a, with a um, VC mm-hmm. up in the valley there. And the other thing that's really shocked me a little bit um, was that a lot of the startups here don't really know their market very well. They don't, um, they're, they're not really doing the research to see what's actually out there, very similar, so if there is a similar product or service to theirs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've had many of them come to me and say, guys, I've seen this like in five other countries around the world mm-hmm. further developed. Um, so didn't you just get onto Google and do a search before mm-hmm. you sort of embarked on this mm-hmm. journey? So there's been a few, um, from, from that perspective, I think the opportunities are there to grow the business. I think it's just a, a cultural shift and a mind shift shift that really needs to take place here. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of just a personal view that I've had since I've uh, come back and an observation I've made. No, that's really interesting. And I can imagine, you know, that whole mentorship is, is so well, you must have people banging down your door right now with everything that's going on. And obviously we are living through one of the, well, no no time in history has been, we've not lived through anything like this before. This pandemic is really highlighting, I think, a lot of, you know, issues in businesses. It's highlighting a lot of flaws in people's character. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a very, very interesting time. So how, 
Right. I mean, where where do we start? So, I mean, um, when all this kicked off, you know, did what advice were you sort of giving to you know, the startups that you were mentoring when this began to kick off? I, you know, I've been doing startups and I've been doing some consulting work for a few companies as well. Mm. And I sort of said to a lot of the um, CEOs and owners and, and uh, founders, use this opportunity to stop and think and do the things that you've never had the opportunity to do in your business. Mm. And go back to the drawing board and look at everything, put a question mark on everything and know that everything is not going to be the same again. How you interact with your customers will be very, very different in the future moving forward. And the processes that you had beforehand um, will not work now. And, you know, just the whole customer journey aspect. So I sort of said to them, you can either use this time to say, oh, well, it's all doom and gloom and, you know, we can't do anything. Or you can use this time to be productive and say, okay, well, now let's go to the business. Let me think. Let me take a step back. I can't do every anything if everything's closed around me and everything's come to a halt. But what I can do is say, okay, well start working on that strategy, start working on that three or five year plan, start really questioning, start connecting with other people and having the conversation. So um, that's sort of the advice I've been giving people. Mm-hmm. I think as well, I, I mean, I would completely second with you there because I mean, I know I've got a recruitment business and I've also uh, launched an online coaching program, which is more around sort of fitness, health and mindset. And one of the biggest things that I keep getting um my clients keep saying to me is like you know I, I just can't the fear is just holding me back and you know what if this and what if that and you know they they're making I, I guess excuses they are playing the victim it's very hard I think in in the current situation for people to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel so you know if you have somebody sat there sat there listening to this right now um you know they're they're biz- they are finding it really hard to find the motivation to innovate their business at this time where should they start like what kind of questions should they be asking themselves at this time to to seek some clarity to help them see a future that perhaps they can't quite see right now it's a really, really good question. Uh, I would sort of start with, uh, before we get to the question side, I would start around the people that they're surrounding themselves with. Mm, I love and that. One, and one thing I've always tried to do is um, never be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be the dumbest person in, in the room and I want to always learn from people. I want people to always challenge me and uh, and I really enjoy that. And I think that's number one. Before you start, you know, you might be down, et cetera. There's no point being around people that are also down because you're just going to get dragged down further. So I think that's first and foremost. I think around the question side of it is really, um, and it comes down to a bit of vulnerability, um, being mature enough to be a little bit, feel that vulnerability and be able to, to talk to the people around you and say, hey, guys, you know, I'm finding it really hard and letting people look through into your business mm. and that sort of that I suppose that guidance but also challenging you as well around well why are you doing it that way you know or how come you haven't um, managed this in this particular way and ask getting those people to ask those questions for you and hopefully that will stimulate some really really good strong discussion around well do I really need this particular person doing this particular role mm. and what is it and just recently, as I said, in the last week, I've been doing it for a company. And uh, and one of the things was that I said to this CEO was, let's go and look at everyone's job description. 
and let's just forget about the people for the moment. Let's see what we actually need. We worked on a, a sort of a five-year strategy plan and then we sort of did the roadmap and said, okay, well, in order for us to get there, what skills do you actually need in the business to achieve that goal? And then we started lifting it down and very quickly we realized that he's actually got a few things missing in terms of skill set. And then we looked at it and we said, well, you've morphed roles in because people have been there, not necessarily um, uh, sort of, I suppose, looked at the skill set required to take you to that next stage. So I think, I'm sorry for a long-winded answer there, Georgie, but I think, you know, so going back to the original question was around, um, you know, what questions can you ask Mm -hmm. people? I think it comes down to the people that you're you're sort of Mm -hmm. associating with and making sure that you are being challenged always because the questions will follow automatically with the right people around you. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, there's that old famous saying that, you know, you're the average of the five people that you hang around with. And, you know, I I completely agree with that. I think, you know, I, I am always trying to surround myself with people who are positive, who have an optimi- optimistic way of looking at life, you know, and I think that's really, really important. And, you know, I think that, I mean, I'm reading a lot online of like how to look after your mental health at this point. It's like, stay connected. Yes, stay connected, but make sure you're staying connected to the right people. Because if you're speaking to people who are also fearful and moaning about everything and playing victims, that's going to rub off on you and that's not going to do much for your mental well-being. So, um, yeah, you touched on something as well that when I just dive deeper, you said about sort of the skills that are going to be needed. So I'd love to get your view and opinion, like where do you see, especially like in the, I guess, the digital space, what sort of skills do you think will emerge? What sort of, you know, job roles do you think people will be looking for after all of this? What what skills are going to be in demand? Yeah, I think uh, I think the traditional businesses that were once around the bricks and mortar businesses, I think they'll still be there, but yeah. in terms of how they do, it's around distribution and around their distribution modeling and how they reach their customers will be very, very different. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone's talked about, you know, uh, digital transformation and that lovely buzzword that's floating around, which everyone mm-hmm. loves to talk about. But, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's quite interesting because I was talking to someone in the health organi- health industry just recently and they were talking about digital transformation and it was really interesting to listen to them because their view of digital transformation was oh we're on blue jeans now we're using zoom and so therefore in telehealth and that's a huge leap forward and I go that's not digital transformation you know you're moving to the 21st century uh, so, so uh, you know it, it's really interesting so I think the skills that are going to come out will be around I think marketing will be you know, from from an online perspective, in terms of how you reach customers, exactly what you're doing, Georgie, around podcasts and videos, and, and and you know, reaching that sort of whole informational stuff, having those sort of two way type of conversations with with customers at the core, that those skills will definitely be re- required by organisations. I think looking um, from a distribution point of view, how you're going to start to distribute your um, your product or your service more efficiently and thinking about markets outside of Australia mm. as well. I think there's a few different skills that are going to come out um, out of it. I think also if you, you think about, um, I think just general digital competencies really, and, uh, and I've seen a bit of a gap here when I've, I've come to Australia uh, in terms of the rest of the world, so there has definitely been a gap. Mm-hmm. And in terms of just how we're automating the AI capabilities, the conversations around, for example, um, quantum computing, 
uh, you know, and sort of deeper technologies, I'm not sort of hearing those sort of conversations in my, you know, people are touching on it, but in terms of uh, deep, talented sort of skill set of people that know the sort of type of uh, um, um, sort of uh, digital sort of skill set, I suppose, um, I just don't see them here at the moment. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, I would completely agree with you. I think marketing especially digital marketing is going to be such a big skill set and you know I just think ultimately it's all branding isn't it like you want to get your name out there your brand out there and there's just we live in such an incredible time in history where you know it doesn't take much to start a podcast you know you can launch a business online within a couple of weeks you know you can build a website there's WordPress there's you know Wix there's Squarespace like you can literally start any business tomorrow if you wanted you know you've just got to have the discipline the motivation and the mindset to start and obviously the passion and purpose for the product or service that you want to offer and I just think that's exciting right and you know but there is a skill to marketing and I I'm still figuring it out myself, but uh, it's sales and marketing. I think, you know, people don't necessarily want to hear that, but it's true. Like you could have the best product in the world, but if you don't know how to get it out there, you're not going to be successful, right? Yep, absolutely. And I think it's that combination, you know, what's really hard out of this pandemic is that, you know, everyone went to online, but then there's still a need to have that physical contact as well. Yes. And it's like having that balance. You can't, you know, it's not having, you know, one way or the other way. I think it's just having that blended approach, mm. which is right. And, you know, you look at the digital sort of whole transformational piece around organizations, the skill set that's in there. Um, you know, you need to ask a question, are people there protecting their jobs or are they really trying to push the organization, the people in the organization to learn new skills um, to sort of uh, push the business forward? Mm. And, um and I think it takes a lot of honesty from a leadership point of view to be able to ask those questions because ideally you don't want to get rid of anyone. But what you want to do is stimulate people to want to go out there and grow and better themselves and give them the platform to be able to do it. Yeah, you know, cause, absolutely. Because you know, everyone's got some sort of contact in terms of uh, you know, digital, social media or, or what have you. So it's really how do we hone those skills as an organization mm-hmm. together collectively. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in terms of that whole leadership piece, I mean, now more than ever, I think everyone needs to be a leader. I think it's time for everyone to step up and, you know, not add to the chaos, you know, let's keep calm, let's, you know, stay focused. But if you are somebody right now who is, uh, you know, maybe you're a leader of a, a team in a corporate or maybe you're, you own a business and you've got a team of employees, you know, what should any leader be doing right now to not only look after themselves but look after their team and the people in their care it's a really really good question because i think you know leaders have a a really big responsibility with this and i thought first would start with have a purpose and a clear vision Mm. because if you don't have purpose and your clear vision then everything gets lost uh, in it and so therefore then you get people feeling insecure they don't know what if they're going to job's going to be there tomorrow what am i coming into work for what am i working for who and all these sort of questions to arise so i think as a leadership first have purpose and clear vision secondly leave your ego behind because um, that's really really important and you know try to build a culture where you foster uh, openness and honesty with your teams uh, because that's what's really important. You, you want people to feel comfortable enough to come up and say, George, you know what, that was rubbish. I didn't believe what you were saying and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And you don't take offense to it. And you sort of said, well, but why? 
and and you start to delve deeper and deeper and deeper and you know what they might give you a different perspective that you never ever thought before and i and i think so from a leadership point of view um there's a lot of benefit for, for leaders to be able to morph also to change into something and to become more collective and i suppose for me it's being a servant mm. you know leadership is you're a servant you're a servant to others mm. and your job is to help others mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so. absolutely and i love what you just said then as well leave your ego behind you know i think that that's that is just so powerful and i think as well like one thing that i am definitely having with the the team at the moment is a lot of empathy you know i think it's probably now isn't the time to be like you know setting some crazy kpis and you know expecting people to be sat at their desk nine till five like let's all just take a breath this is new territory for everyone you know people are at home trying to look after their children they're trying to homeschool them they're trying to do all these things on top of that they're trying to do their nine to five day job you know and it i think there's very very be very aware of the expectations you put onto people because people automatically put high expectations on themselves already. So I'd love to get your thoughts on empathy, you know, and and how leaders, you can be developing that and maybe sort of, yeah, sort of not forcing KPIs too much on people at the moment, but also understanding that they're under pressure as well. So where's that balance? Like how can leaders be more empathetic, but at the same time, you know, get the job done basically? No, I think um, I've always, and this is, I think goes back to my core belief in me as a person, my DNA. I think before all of this pandemic happened, how I've always managed my teams, I had teams in like 26, 27 countries globally. And, you know, my first line managers, what I used to do with them was, you know, you can imagine I'm coming to a whole corporate environment, right? Mm. And, you know, very structured and mm. there's, a, there's a policy and a procedure for absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, I hate that. And so what I used to do was with my team meetings, I used to sort of say to my team, okay, guys, we're going to have our uh, team meeting and I'd give them a random address at a cafe or a bar, right? And we'd go into this cafe or bar and we'd have our team meeting in there and they all found this absolutely weird, right? And they thought <laughs> I was just strange. But inevitably what I was trying to do was I was trying to pull them out of their everyday sort of uh, routine, if you like, and put them into an environment which was foreign to them. And I found when I was sort of, they were a lot more relaxed. And as a result of that relax, you know, we were able to have more honest and open conversations as to what was going on. Uh, Now, from that, you would hear all the problems that they have in their life as well. And it is a fine balance, but because we've all got sort of, you know, you know, our own sort of things happening in our, in our personal lives. But it also gave everyone the idea where, uh, suppose, uh, sorry, the insights into, well, you know, this person couldn't deliver on this or couldn't do this because all this other stuff was happening. And inability is sort of starting to get people to have a bit of empathy for each other. Right, because at the end of the day, you know, for for me personally, from my leadership style, I don't mind when things happen. I've got a de- I've got a, a deadline and an end date, and I have to make sure that we deliver on that particular date. How we get there, I don't mind. Hmm. Okay, and it's not about micromanaging people because I think when you get into that sort of micromanagement, no one really likes it. So I think from um, you know having that empathy for people, and I think just being aware that. Yeah, things are happening in people's lives all the time, Georgia. And I think, uh, Georgie, sorry. And I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, for me, I think 
it's just making sure that your teams really are, are in sync with each other. I completely, completely agree. And touching on the current situation now, because I think that there is going to be a lot of change in the future of work and, you know, what happens next from here. So, you know, obviously companies have been forced. We're all working from home now. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to, ha- I think people are going to really start to question, well, why do I have to be in the office at nine o'clock? Why do I have to be there till five? Why do I have to have my lunch break at 12 o'clock? Like, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts and view on how you think this will impact the future of work and yeah, what companies can do to maybe innovate and think about, that as well well i'll go back to sort of my corporate stint and, mm-hmm. and when i started i see people in the office till like eight hours 10 hours 11 hours sometimes 12 hours a day there's no end of world they're being productive yeah it's just not and um so when sort of my team started to come together and i sort of you know i used to say to my teams Look, guys, if I get four to five hours of productivity out of you a day, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and if you spend the rest of the three hours, I just want you to build relationships. Do your stakeholder management because at the end of the day, that is really what gets things done in a corporate environment is your stakeholders and the relationships that you build internally and externally. And, you know, I used to get upset, to be really honest with you, Georgie, if I used to see someone at their desk for eight to ten hours. Because I used to say, guys, it's either you're doing something wrong um, or you're struggling with something and let me come and help you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense for me for mm-hmm. you to be able to all day and night. Mm-hmm. So four to five hours out of the day and then you give people the flexibilities to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And I have always fought back because I just completely disagree with the whole Monday, Friday, nine to five. I mean, I've always had this entrepreneurial tendency in me. So I've always was destined to own my own business because I hated it. I hated having to be at somewhere at a certain time and leave like, you know, half the time I, I would come in, I'd be so productive. Like you said, for four hours, I do four hours of solid work. And then by like four o'clock, I was done. You know, and instead of me walking up, being an adult and going, see you, I've done a good day's work. I felt like I had to sit there for another hour and look busy. And I just think there's just this whole culture in the workforce at the moment who, you know, probably spent half their day on social media, checking the news, when actually if they were just said, right, get your work done, I can guarantee you they get the best work done in a few hours, probably better than what they would in the whole eight hour working day. And we'd probably have an even more productive workforce. So I I think four hours, five hours tops in a working day is enough, personally. I agree. I mean, look, the other hours, it should be, you know, building those relationships yep. and having stakeholder management. Find mm-hmm. out what else is within the organization, mm-hmm. what's trending. You know, running all the innovation, one of the things that I did was when we set up our offices and I started building this new office, you're going to laugh, but I actually built a bar with the coffee machine, not alcohol bar. Of course. Oh, damn. <laughs> I want to come work for you. <laughs> huge, huge coffee machine and um, did it like a bar and, and a lounge. And that was, our, I got rid of our reception area and I converted it into a, a meeting space and uh, where we had sort of really cool chairs and tables and a cafe lounge and I had music playing and you know, I used to find the staff used to come in the morning, have coffees. Mm. Um, everyone else in the building used to want to come up and have coffees. And then the conversations that used to come out of that 
was just amazing because all of a sudden someone go, oh, you know what, I'm doing this deal and I've got, you know, I'm looking for this or, you know, this is happening at the moment and this is happening over in Germany or this is happening in the UK or whatever it might be. And that rich dialogue, we, you know, my teams would have never, ever been privy to if we'd gone down the traditional route. 100%. And so, yeah, and so a lot of the time they would just sit there and, you know, it was, as I said, I tried to create that cafe sort of environment mm. in rather than just having a, a nice big reception desk, yeah. which I saw as a waste yeah. of space. C- completely agree. I completely agree. Well, that that sounds like a beautiful culture that I would probably have enjoyed working in if I was uh, still in the corporate space. But I'd, I'd actually love to uh, pick your brain about the whole, like, productivity. Like, do you have anything that you do religiously that you find works for you like in terms of like you know when you're managing all those people you're you know you're the CEO of Vodafone I mean that's huge so what did you do every day to make sure that you maximize your time um, and maintained you know you're a family man you've got a you know beautiful family to think about as well so how did you find that quote-unquote balance um, and sort of keep productive every day? Uh, I set myself goals daily mm. goals so I'd sort of have my list of all the things that I would have to achieve. Uh, in the morning, my ritual was really simple, I'd, I'd, and I still do it now, actually. I read all the news from all around the world. Um, so from every single continent, I get on there and read what's going around the world, not only in Australia, but globally, because uh, I like to know what's what's moving the markets, etc. So that's sort of the best thing I do. And then I'd have my list of all the things that I needed to do, but I'd also build in time always for my team. Mm. I'd love to just walk around, um, walk the floors, uh, talk to people, you know, have coffees with them or what have you. So uh, that's sort of, and then I'd finish when I finished and, uh, and then I'd go home and, and be with the family. So mm, I think that's uh, how, I, how I got through my day. Yeah, I, and look, I just think that you know we we do we have kind of lived in the culture, and I hope this does change where the entrepreneur and the startup world is like hustle, 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 fifteen hour days, you know, all of that. You don't sleep, you work till midnight, you get up at five, and you know what you're obviously in it more than I am at the moment. What's that doing for our health and our well being? It's extremely unhealthy, and and mm. you know even VC I'm working with in Silicon Valley at the moment. Whenever we and even with Vodafone, when I was sort of seeing a lot of the startups, when I used to find founders like that um, or CEOs like that, we we wouldn't deal with them right. because it was such high risk uh, for for burnout, mental health, or whatever. And also we would know that their structure in terms of how they built their business is not sustainable. So it was just we just walk away. So really the advice I can give to, to to founders and CEOs is make yourself obsolete from day one. Love it. So build your business and structure so you don't need to be there. And so therefore having those processes, uh, having the people around with the right skills, um, and eventually, you know, you should not be part of the business essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean – yeah, yeah, but I, I agree. It's becoming a, an owner, not an operator, you know. And I think that's the thing. It's making yourself redundant. And there's a lot of, uh, you know. And look, I used to be one of them. I used to like be a control freak completely. And I've had to learn to loosen off the reins and let go. And you know, let my team deal with the clients. And you know, and just then get on with more of the branding, the the growth, the innovation, the five year plan. And I've got more time to do that now, which is amazing. But yeah, I think that it's so easy to get caught up in that spiral of like 
I've got to outwork, I've got to you know, out hustle all these other businesses. And actually, I love your approach to say I wouldn't touch people that have the attitude because it's not sustainable. So everyone who's listening to this now who is working 12, 14, 15 hour days, just, you know, it isn't sustainable. And we are seeing a culture now of burnout. Um, and even now, I'm actually, I read an article earlier um, today about how burnout now is happening through this pandemic because people aren't switching off, they're not setting boundaries of work. So, um, you know, what I guess, what advice would you give from people who are working from home right now and are feeling burnt out and overwhelmed um, with all the things they're trying to get done? What would you, how would you go about um, trying to deal with that? Well, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the culture of the organization. But personally, I think, you know, aim for that perfection, you know, because that's what people try to do and try to be perfect at absolutely everything. And let's outshine everyone else. And let's show the organization how, you know, they can't live without me, um, et cetera. I think that attitude has to be, you have to drop that attitude and you have to be comfortable to know that you're doing the very best you can and know as a discipline that at five o'clock or six o'clock or whatever it is, um, you stop. You have to switch off um, because you need to refresh your brain. Go, you know, I go for a walk every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm out on the beach every single day, and uh, and you know, it's a it's a time for me to reflect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's really, and not and I suppose fear, you know, comes back to it right at the beginning of this, right? Mm-hmm. When we talked about um, it's overcoming that fear and those anxieties that you might feel that you know the the, the business is going to get rid of me if I don't. If I'm not on call at 8 p.m. at night or 9 p.m. at night, I don't think anyone would expect that. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And um, if you want a good book to read, I recently read a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 crazy. A, yeah, it's an intense read. But one of the regrets was I wish I didn't work so hard. You know, I, I wish I had more balance. I wish I had more time with my family. And I think, you know, now is not the time to be, you know, throwing yourself into your work. Now is the time. Like everyone's always complained about, I wish I had more time for this, this and this. Well, that's the gift we've been given throughout this pandemic. And I think it's spending it wisely. Yeah, you know, Georgie, you know, it's really funny you, you mentioned that book because um, I actually did a, a talk on on this and that I use that as a reference in my talk. Amazing. Um in Europe and uh, and it was quite funny because I said in my talk around that was that you know we've got all this technology around us and it's actually meant to free us but in, instead it's do the total opposite of that oh. right and we're living our lives by you know social media in terms of how you know it becomes a driver in terms of how we feel mm-hmm. which is wrong you know how many likes I get means whether I'm gonna have a good day or bad day and uh, and so you know, you just need to stop and take a perspective and put life in perspective and not be a slave to technology. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah, so I think it's a great book if anyone yeah. hasn't read it. It's yeah. Very confusing. Yeah. Oh. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? And that actually, it was, it's regret that scares me the most. It's like, okay, I fear that, but do you know what I fear more? Regret getting to the end of my life and thinking, I wish I'd gone for that. I wish I'd done that. And I think that, you know, that's why I find fear such an interesting topic because I do think it paralyzes people to to go for their dreams, to take that first step, to have the confidence and courage to take the promotion and, you know, to or whatever it may be. So I think that, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a very powerful book, but that was one of the lessons in it that really stood out for me because, you know, I, I can be a bit of a workaholic. It's something I've really had to work on. And, you know, um, 
yeah, I think, but I think a lot of people who are burning out and overworking, they should definitely take that life lesson and, and pause and breathe and just, you know, remember that life is also for living. It's to be enjoyed. It's, you know, don't tie your whole identity into your work, you know, like spend this time and, you know, reconnect with your children and reconnect with your spouse, you know, stay in contact with your friends. You know, I think it's, yeah, for those people looking for it, this is a real good opportunity to really audit our lives and get clear on what we want. So yeah, I'm so pleased you've read that book as well. It's amazing. Yeah, and I think, you know, it comes down to, I, I suppose, also, you know, those relationships that I was referring to before, building mm. those relationships. Because Correct. Really what's important at the end of the day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can get another job. You can get another business. You can start another company. It doesn't really matter, but those relationships is what really matters at the end yeah. of the day. Correct, correct. Now, let's sort of, I'd just love to sort of, before we sort of um, sort of wrap wrap. wrap wrap up the conversation you you mentioned before we jumped on that you've been you know in a lot of boards and talking about what's coming next and you know what sort of you know what in your view in your opinion what what do you think is next for Australia like and and the people here and what sort of trends are you sort of seeing and um you know yeah what is going to happen after all of this I guess in your in your mind um it's a really difficult question to answer but I think once again, I think an observation, and this is purely my own sort of opinion and observation, is that the opportunities exist for Australian businesses, Australian startups, what, what have you. It's whether they want to look outside. And I think really that's the opportunity, whether they want to be in the driver's seat or the passenger seat. I think from a government point of view, I think it's really going to force governments in every state and even um, uh, nationally to really rethink you know, you've got all these sort of organisations, uh, government organisations that help companies to go outside Australia, but I don't think it's enough. You know, I don't think it's uh, they're doing enough in terms of doing those soft landings. So when you get to another country, so for example, George, if I've got a, a company and I want to expand my business and go into one of the US, well, they'll get me there, but they won't set me up there. They won't sort of help with that, all that sort of soft stuff, like how do I even going to get my kids into school or, yeah. or um, you know, how do I go and get a driver's license mm. and all that sort of very soft sort of stuff that's needed and, and drives people's decisions. So I think the government really assisting with that a lot more and becoming a lot more proactive mm-hmm. in that front, I think there's an opportunity there. Um, to do a lot more. I think secondly, if I look and um, I think there's an opportunity for companies to really, I suppose, revisit the skill sets that are really required and really to look at their strategies and their overall, you know, um, I suppose governance models, you know, um, even like looking at some of the boards that I've, I've been looking at in Australia. I mean, people on boards for 10, 20 years, I mean, it's crazy, you know. It should be refreshed every seven years or ten years as part of that sort of uh, governance, and you can't have someone on a board for twenty years. That no. just doesn't make sense to me. Mm. So, um, so I think you know, just refreshing those sort of skills and and not losing. You don't lose it. You just have to evolve and develop. So I think that's one. And I think um, benchmarking. Mm. You know, looking at benchmarking your organisation against people out there globally, mm-hmm. not just in Australia. We have a tendency to benchmark ourselves um, locally, you know, so what's happening in Queensland with that company that's very similar to me or what's happening in Western Australia, oh, wow, you know, all that sort of stuff, that's wrong. You need to go outside Australia and benchmark yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think 
you know, I'm hoping I'm answering your question here because yeah, yeah. I'm sort of a tendency yeah. to uh, wander here, but mine's going to 100 miles an hour. But, but I, uh, yeah, I think the opportunities were there. As I said, the, the fear that I have is that um, businesses will become more nationalistic. And, and so, therefore, this, the pandemic will drive fear. And as a result, they won't want to look outside. And that's that's probably the, the scary part for me because mm. I think now is the opportunity to really just – you know, flex your muscles and, and just get out there and, and, uh, and, and grow. Yeah, I completely so agree. I think... Yeah, mm. yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think that's it, isn't it? I think we said at the start, there's there's so many opportunities available to people that, that go and look for it and go and seek it. And I think, you know, that, that you're, you're, you're so right because the tendency now would be to think, you know, oh, this pandemic, you know, it's I've got to stick to my country. All the borders are shut. You know, let's just lock down. Let's just focus on my business in Australia. And, you know, but actually there's such a big opportunity now because I think what this has done is actually made us realize how connected we are. You know, like a, a virus that starts in China can spread to the whole world. Like that, that to me just says we are so connected and that we can actually help one another at this time and if we you know it's, again it's how we choose to approach things but yeah I think the, the the worst thing you could do right now would just be to lock yourself down and just focus on you know your little community and your little you know in Australia let's think bigger let's go big let's think how we can take our business globally and help and impact the world yeah. I mean look I've said a lot of startups always think about how you're going to scale your business and it has to you have to think globally from day one and you have mm. to think Use your local market as a way of just testing, but mm. at the end of the day, get your systems and processes better down for growth for the mm -hmm. future. Because if yeah. you don't think like from day one, mm. and you don't think about your exit strategy from day one, um, you're going to struggle as yeah. the business grows. Yeah, absolutely. So much amazing advice and takeaways. Like it's going to be, it's going to be challenging. I'm doing my Fab Five after this. I'm like, what? Where do I cut this down in five minutes? After <laughs> like really, after rewatch the whole thing and just pick out my top five. But look, I guess your your parting words of wisdom, Warwick. What what's the one thing that you? What one thing you would say to people that? The one thing that you would say that everyone should be doing right now during this time, what, what would that be to stay focused, positive and in that sort of really good headspace? Yeah, I think um, don't be reactive mm. and don't uh, overreact. I think it's just you have to slow down, have a look, assess the situation, do your scenario plannings and then make a decision. Uh, don't jump hastily forward um, because that's what people have a tendency to do. They're going to panic mode and they think, oh my gosh, I have to do this, I have to do this. Or um, No, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Mm -hmm. Take a step back. Talk to others. Um, you know, do your scenario planning. Think about the real mm -hmm. impacts that are going to be around uh, and really they might not be there. You know, you might be conjuring a lot of things in your mind or in your head. So I think that's what I would sort of say to them. And then really thinking about, um, and don't let your ego drive decisions. You know, um, you know, who cares what other people think? Just take mm -hmm. a step back, and you know, make the right decision for you, your family, and the business. And that's what you need to do. And I think in during these times. Yeah, amazing. I think we just got the title for the podcast: "Don't let your ego drive your decisions." So that's what it's going to be called. Um <laughs> 
Warwick, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for giving up your time. And uh, I, I just know everyone's going to get so many incredible takeaways from that. So thank you so much again. Um, just for those people that want to reach out to you after this, where can people go to find you? Uh, look, I'm on LinkedIn. So just look me up on LinkedIn and I'm um, pretty active on that. So please feel free to uh, connect and I'll be more than happy to, yeah. to answer any questions. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind to Lead podcast. I really hope you got some great takeaways and key learnings from this episode. To help us spread the message, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We love reading your thoughts and your insights and your learnings. And look, reach out to me. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Georgie Hubbard. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Georgie L. Hubbard. Let's connect. I hope you have an incredible day and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Thank you.